Beautiful people, beautiful people. God is good. God is good. Amen. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to TLC. Welcome to welcome family. Glad you guys are here to worship with us. My name is uh, uh, Tony. I'm one of the pastors here at this church. Uh, so glad that you're here to be with us this day. We are in our series called Rhythms with Christ, right? Uh, this whole year's theme is about that. It's, it's not just about intellectually understanding who God is. It's not just about um, having a, an, an affirmation in your head of, or acknowledgement in your heart of who God is, but actually having a rhythm in your life that matches the new life that you have in Christ Jesus. When you say that I believe in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that you believe in him and then you kind of like go about doing your own thing, but the life of the believer has a rhythm to them that matches the profession of faith. And we've been talking about these rhythms in our life. We talk about rhythm of prayer, that when you are in a relationship with God, there needs to be some sort of actual dialogue. There has to be a rhythm in your prayer life. Do you have that rhythm? Do you pray certain ways? Do you pray for certain people? Do you pray uh, seeking for God to answer, seeking for his presence? We talked about rhythm of work, right? When you talk about your work, how, how, do you, how do you go about your daily business? We kind of try to separate church and work life and everything, but God wants us to actually have a rhythm in our workplace that matches our profession. How do we create culture, biblical culture, in our workplace? How do we bring God's light into that? How do we bring God's rhythm into that place? And we've been talking to, and this series that we're on for the next uh, seven weeks is called Rhythm of Rest. Because yes, even in how you rest, even in the way you rest shows whether you have a relationship with God. Do you have a good rhythm? Because most of the time, when we say, uh, how you doing? The answer is what? I'm tired. I'm busy. Right? I'm tired. I'm busy. It seems to be the natural answer to always, how are you doing? I'm tired. If you're honest, I'm busy. We, we, we go through this constant cycle, this rat race of striving and, and, and moving and, and back again. Right? We chase after these things over and over and over, and we don't actually have rest. Rest for our soul. Rest. So when we talk about rest, though, I, I, uh, two weeks ago I talked about the gift of Sabbath, that God gives us this rest because he understands the human heart. He understands that without him, what we, de- what we desire to do, what we tend to do, is we go into this rhythm of chasing. I just need to have this. I just need to get there. I just need to be here. And once I have all these things, I will finally be happy. But the reason, the, the answer is what? Whenever you get to that place, you realize there's still more, and the striving does not stop, and the chasing never ends, right? And so no wonder you keep saying, I'm tired, I'm busy. So the gift of Sabbath, gift of Sabbath, uh, the Lord says, is to rest to the Lord, rest to the Lord. So what does that mean? We talked about when you rest to the Lord, that means that you, in this moment of rest, it's not that you just take a, uh, you knock out and you go to sleep for 20 hours. It could be a part of it right, or you just sit there and play video games or you binge on Korean drama, right, what it means is this. It means that in this rest, in this ceasing of working, right, the stoppage of working, you are recentering yourself. You're coming to this place. You have this moment. You have this time. You have this uh, atmosphere, and, and you're coming back, and you're recentering your heart and saying, do, do I really remember who I am? 
Am I, am I really going to be that person that, that, that runs around chasing over and over and never being fully satisfied? Do I remember that I am a daughter or son of the living God? That all has been done for me? That this life I live now, I live for Christ? Do I remember my position, my authority? Do I remember my identity? See, rest helps us to the Lord, helps to reframe and recenter our mindset. But not just to recenter our minds and our identity, but also to do what? To give us a mean, to, to help guide our purpose again. So that when we go back to work, we're not going back to work thinking like, okay, I got to go back to work now. This, uh, you know, I had a nice weekend off or I had a nice day off and now I have to go back to the grind. No, that when you go into work with your Sabbath, you are resting and then now you're having this mindset, okay, how does this rest help guide my work? You start asking the question in this rest, Lord, how do I become the hands, the feet, to love, to care, and to serve those around me with the work which you have given to me? Whether you are a blue-collar or white-collar worker, God has given you this job. There is no bad job. All, all work right, that is not sinful is a work that is given to, by God, used by God to do what? To honor and serve and to love and care people. And sometimes we get mixed up in that. So our work becomes the striving, a means to an end. Our work becomes our identity. Our work becomes our, 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 our way of getting you know, our, the vacation or our way of getting the, the house or way of getting the money that we want or the savings that we want. But work has always been about you are the hands, you are the feet of God to love, to care, and to serve those around you. Rest helps recenter that. Rest helps you to go back to that. Rest helps you to get back to the basics. You guys follow? Okay. Last week, our brother Kevin, he talks about delighting in the Lord. Because resting is it's not just like, okay, I'm resting. Cool, I got it mentally up there. Okay, I, I know my purpose. But the rest, if you do it well, it actually drives you to delight more in God. All right? I want to share the story. because uh, Thank you uh, for the church. Last week, I took uh, Trisha out with the kids to a camping trip with the family for her birthday. Right? And I'm so glad that you guys are... Uh, you guys give your offering so that we can afford uh, a, a, a pastor, right, to uh, come and preach for us. So I'm really grateful for Kevin and Paul that they're here to do this stuff. But last week, as I was uh, going camping, right, at Lake Kachuma in Santa Barbara, this is the first time in a long time I, uh, my, my breath was taken away. I know that sounds kind of weird, but my breath was actually taken away. I thought I was dead inside, but then I saw this. I was like, whoa, this is nice, right? I, I, I went there. And it was, it was serene. The lake was like, it was just still. The mountains, it was like this misty mountain, right? It, it's like rolling hills, and then the, um, the clouds were just, was just dangling right on top of it. And I looked at that, and I was just like, wow. Taken aback. I, I, was, I was just in awe at that moment, right? And, and this is how I know this is from the Lord, because I think God spoke to me at that moment. I'm pretty sure it's from the Lord, because I would never think about this, right? At the very moment, as I was delighting, as I was just in all of this, Word of God came to me. He says, Tony, that's how I feel when I look at you. And I was like, mm, are you sure? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I was like, I wouldn't, even my wife doesn't feel that way. Like, what do you mean, Lord? Right? You know? And, 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 and I was like, but I get it, Lord, but like, I know who I am. I, I know my brokenness. I know, I know my, my struggles. I don't know my issues. Like, do you really breath taken away, really? And then, and then he, he helped me focus on an area of the mountain, okay? It was, it was just one little patch. It was dark. 
it was dry wood, it was dead wood, and I didn't really see it at first. I said, like, oh, it's dead. I said, yeah, right? But you didn't see that, did you? I said, no, I didn't. I said, why? Because I saw the hole. So when I look at you, Tony, I want you to know something. I delight in you because I see you in Jesus Christ as a whole. Not, not the tiny little blotches that you think you have, but as a whole, I see you in Christ, and it's all. And I was like, okay, God, thank you, right? And, and, and even more than that, even more than that, right? As I was there, God, God, was, God was just telling me, but Tony, don't just stop there. There's so much more of me to delight in. Come further up, further in. Right? Sometimes we get, we get into this habit of like, I'm saved, woohoo, right? And, and then, oh, cool, that's it. And I, I'll go back to uh, my, 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 my thoughts of Jesus dying on the cross for me, and so that will drive me forward, right? But God says, no, that is the beginning of the journey. That's just the cover page of what I have in store for you. Keep coming to me, and you will delight in ways that you will never know. There's so much more. There's an eternity of me that I have yet to show you. And I was, I was just blown away, right? That it's in the rest when we recenter our minds and our hearts on the Lord, all of a sudden, we begin to delight in God. You guys see that? We delight in God. See, if, you, if your rest doesn't lead you to delight in God, it could be you might be resting wrong, okay? Just throwing it out there. If your rest leaves you more tired, leaves you chasing, leaves you going back to the grind, feeling exhausted still, it could be you're not really resting to the Lord. And that's what we're trying to get to today, this whole series. We're trying to help you understand, I'm trying to help you understand that when you rest in the Lord, to the Lord, what begins to happen is this transformation of your reality. And today, as we talk about this, right, today as we talk about this, this message today, is about how rest not only gives you the ability to delight more in God, which drives you further into wanting to do his work, wanting to be his hands and feet, but the rest gives you an ability to have a greater trust in God, motivating you to do more creative things for God. Rest helps motivate you to trust more in him, guiding you to do even more creative things for him if you rest to the Lord, right? So rest, again, I'm, I'm trying to get this through your mind. I know you guys, a lot of you guys need rest, but the rest you need is not simply to sit around and watch drama all day, right? Though that could be an aspect of rest. It's not just to sleep for 16 hours, although that itself could be an aspect to rest. But the rest and all of that must be to the Lord. Rest is about encountering God without all the bells and whistles around you, all the distractions. Rest to the Lord is to meet God. All right? So today's message is about that. I want you guys to walk away from today thinking to yourself, in my rest, and if I rest properly to the Lord, he can use me to do greater things for him. How you rest determines that. Okay? So uh, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. 
Fun fact in the Bible, there's only two miracles written by all four um, of the apostles, all, all four of the, the gospel writers. Only two, right? One of them, the most obvious one is what? The resurrection. Okay, that's the most important one, the resurrection. But the second one that's written by all four writers is this one. This is a big one. If all four wrote it, it's big. It's a big deal. This is a big miracle. And we're going to read that uh, it's not some ordinary miracle that Jesus did. This is a humongous miracle. As all writers gave their perspective on it, or, or they, they gave the different angles on it, we, 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 we see that it was not just the feeding of 5,000. Right? Mark says 5,000 men. He didn't include the women yet. This whole feeding of the people could be up to 25,000 if you include kids too. It's a huge number of people. I had to um, do some, uh, some, some calculations. Like, you know, 25,000, if you guys don't have the perspective, it's like one quarter of SoFi Stadium. If you guys been to the Taylor Swift concert or if you watched on it, it's one, I don't know, I, I just need you guys, those of you guys who've been, you, you know the, the capacity, right? It's one quarter of it, pretty much. Because I think uh, Taylor Swift holds 100,000, SoFi, right? So this is about 25, right? 25,000, just think one area. That was, that's how much Jesus fed, okay? It's found in all four Gospels. And this is what I want you guys to get at. Before God can work through you, he has to be with you. Before God can work through you, as in working through the disciples here doing this amazing miracle, before God can work through you, he has to be with you. He has to be with you. He has to be with you in your rest, be with you in truth, and be with you in power. Okay? He has to be with you. That is the main thing. Rest is God being with you, you being with him. Before God can work through you, he has to be with you. Open your Bibles, Mark chapter 6, verses 30. We're going to read 30 to 32 first. So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me, buy yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in the boat to a solitary place. Before the Lord can work through you, he has to be with you, with you in your rest. So where did the disciples happen? They just, they just went on their first missionary journey. Jesus Christ sent them out to all these towns in the, around the Sea of Galilee, right? And they were doing miracles, and they were, they were preaching that the Messiah has come. They're, they're saying the Savior is here. Our, our, our long-awaited Messiah has come. They're, they're, they're going out there. They're preaching what Jesus taught them. They're doing the miracles that he gave them the power to do. Why? Because he was preparing those spaces, those places, for his presence to come. And so he sent his disciples out first to do the miracles, to prepare the people's minds, prepare people's hearts until he shows up, and then they will see who this Jesus really is. If his disciples can do this, what can the actual Messiah do? What can this Jesus actually do, right? How much more? So they just came back. They did all this stuff. They came back. They're excited. They're just, you know, um, out, of their, out of their wits end because they just couldn't believe that they were able to heal, able to cast out demons, able to do all these things. They come back, and of course, what happens? The crowd is following them because they're just like, whoa, who are these guys? Who is this Jesus? We want to meet him. Who is he? So they come back. They're telling Jesus all these things, and then... Jesus sees this, he says, good job, but I'm about to do something even bigger. As these crowds are gathering, I'm about, to, I'm about to blow their minds away. I'm about to show them definitively who I am. You have just shown them a taste of who I am. I will show them definitively who I am. But before we can do that, you got to have some rest. Before I can work through you, 
I have to be with you. So he told him, get on the boat and come with me. Get on the boat. Let's go to the other side, uh, a more desolate place, so that I can do this miracle, which he already planned. I can do this miracle, right, uh, for them to see. So I have a picture here, uh, real fast, right? It's a picture of the, the, the Sea of Galilee. Or sea of Galilee. Uh, they, were at the, they, were go, they were at Capernaum, the area where Jesus did most of his ministry. And then they did a boat ride from Capernaum to Bethsaida, Julius. Right? So it's, it's not actually in Bethsaida, which is a big town. This is more of like a desolate outside, outskirt of the area. So they, they took a boat straight there, right, which is a four-mile trek, okay? Four-mile trek. It was really short. It was a really short rest. Because as we know it was short, because the moment, the moment they got off the boat, all these people that were following the disciples, they ran the eight miles around to get there, to see him. From all the towns that they've been to, the eight miles from Capernaum, they ran the eight miles. And they ran it pretty fast, apparently, because they got there before Jesus and his disciples got there. Okay? I haven't ran eight miles in a long time or ever, right? So I don't know how long it takes you to run eight miles. I think, like, if you're across country, maybe, like, I don't know hour? Two hours? I, don't, I have no idea, right? It's like 20 minutes. Anyways, they, they, it took them a while. They finally got there. They were just waiting for Jesus, right? And Jesus knew this. He knew that he's about to work through his disciples. He's about to show them and show everyone this amazing miracle, this amazing creative work that he's going to do to definitively tell everyone, I am. I am God who has come here with you. But you have to rest first. You have to rest. And so you're thinking, okay, well, uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the amount of time that's necessary? Look at four miles. That was it. Because the issue is not about how long you take the rest. The issue is, are you meeting Jesus in your rest? That's all it is. Are you with Jesus in your rest? You, you can take a, a whole month vacation and still be tired and not able to do what God wants you to do. But you could be with God for more than only five minutes. And the encounter with God in five minutes can shape and change your life forever. He has to be with you in your rest. Before God can work through you, he has to be with you. With you in rest as he was preparing his disciples for this, okay? He was preparing his, as he's preparing his disciples for the miracle he's about to do, okay? Most of us, we think that if I serve in the church, I'm resting. If I am um, taking the long enough vacation, I'm resting. If I sleep extra eight hours, I'm resting, but we're always going about doing. We're, we're, no, matter, no matter how much rest we like I've been saying, no matter how much rest we take, we're always chugging along, doing and doing. We're, we're, in this, we're just constantly restless because we're constantly wanting to achieve something. And we're never actually at peace. We're never actually able to accomplish what God has put you on earth to do. And you're always asking, like, what am I supposed to do, Lord? What's the purpose of my life? Would you rest so that God can be with you, so that God can work through you. 
Instead of you just running around chasing and striving and stressing and constantly anxious all the time, would you just rest with him? Be with him? Because I, I promise you, a moment of encounter with Jesus is enough to shape and change the destiny of your life forever. Before God can work through you, he has to be with you, with you in your rest, right? And it's true. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. You know, like, uh, when FOMO was start, first started, started out, one of, the, one of the guys that came to me, they were saying, like, you know, it's crazy, Tony. Like, today's um, uh, witnessing was very, very productive, very fruitful. I said, I said, yeah, what changed? We prayed. I said, what do you mean? You haven't prayed before? <laughs> like, like what, you just went out there and just did your own thing? He's like, yeah. It's like a moment, even that small moment with God, maybe even a quick prayer that they were just trying, that small moment of inviting God to be with them was enough to open up the doors so that they could be used, so that uh, they can be used by him, right? Because they were, they were always saying, like, sometimes the, the, the witnessing was not very fruitful. It was, it was just hard, lots of walls, lots of pushback, lots of people saying no. Those are bad days, right? And then he, he says, hey, but today was really good. Why? Because we prayed. Lord, have mercy, right? Like, you finally got that? That just came through your brain? Yeah. If you pray with the Lord, he's going to open these doors because you're doing his work. He will work through you if you're willing to be with him. Before God can work through you, you have to be with, he has to be with you, with you in your rest. When you're taking a rest, church, are you resting with him? Is he, is he there in the days? If, let's say you're watching K-drama. Is he there with you? You're playing, is he there with you? Are you resting with the Lord? If you're having a meal, are you appreciating it with him? Are you delighting in with him? Before God can work through you, he has to be with you. Is he with you, church? But not only with them in their rest, but with them in the truth. Open your, uh, check this out. Uh, keep going. Verse 33, 33, 34. Let me read that again. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Again, eight miles. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Okay? So this, our, 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 our Christian walk is not just about an emotional experience with God. I'm not just saying, you know, go rest with God and then have this emotional experience and then you can go do your thing. Because when you are with him, what begins to happen is he will be with him in the truth. Before God can work through you, he has to be with you in rest, but he has to be with you in truth as well. Because he is preaching his word. And so what happens here is that he saw this whole crowd and he had compassion on them. They were sheep without shepherd. You know what a sheep? I saw this documentary on um, shepherding. Don't ask me why I was watching. I was just watching this document, Shepherding. And sheep are dumb. They're, they're without a shepherd, they will die. Like, they, they need a shepherd to, to groom them. They need a shepherd, like, to, 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 to make sure that they, they, uh, all, their, all the stuff that's stuck in their, uh, the, their, their wool has to be taken out. If without the shepherd, they will die. This is how dumb they are, right? And Jesus, in this same place, he saw this, and he knows that without a shepherd, these people will die. 
they will die. This crowd of 25,000 gathered now, they will die if Christ is not their shepherd. And so he begins to stop with the disciples there and he begins to teach. He begins to preach. He gives them the word. He gives them his word. He gives them the truth. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about sin. He's talking about how sin is a very detriment to your soul. It is the very reason why you're never at ease and never at peace. Sin is what's causing you to strive to chase over and over and never being fully satisfied. He's talking about repentance. He's talking about freedom from that. He's talking about the kingdom of God has come to bring that. He is preaching the truth to the people. He is preaching the truth to the gospel, to the apostles. He is preaching the truth to his disciples. They're listening. They're hearing it. They're, grab, they're, 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 they're holding on to it. The disciples, being closest to him, are experiencing it. Jesus spoke the truth to them. Before God can work through you, he has to be with you, with you in truth. Here's my thing. When you're taking a rest, are you seeking to know God more? Are you seeking to hear his voice more? Are you seeking to have the word of God open so that you can experience what he has to say to you? Because let me tell you guys something. God wants to work through you. He wants to work. He has a destiny for you. He has a plan for you. But the only way that he can work through you is that he has to be with you. We cannot say to the Lord, like, I'm, I'm, I'm all about you, Jesus, right? And never once listening to what he has to say to us. I gave this example in, uh, in TGI, uh, in my servant team. I'll give you another example. Let's say when, when my wife married me, right? Or I married my wife, right, Trisha? And I told Trisha, honey, I love you. You have my heart. You have my being. But can you only have it 95%? The other 5%, can I just kind of, you know, just 5% out of the whole year. That's like what? Less than 15 days, right? 5% out of the whole year. Can, I, can someone else have my heart? Can I give it to somewhere else? Can I, can I just care for or love another woman for just 15 days? But the other 350, I'm all yours. My dedication will be completely to you. My soul is all, whatever you like. What would you think? And, you know, you know it's hilarious because Enoch was there, you know, sitting next to me. And the moment he, he heard me say that, he was like, ew. Right? Right? I mean, a principle so easy that even a five-year-old gets it. That's not right. That's not good. That's ew, dad. Right? But how funny is it? That when we say, Lord, I love you, you have my heart, you have my soul, 95% of the time. The other 5%, let me just, let me just hang with the, the, let me just deal with the nails that crucified you. Let me just play with them. I just want to just, just hold on to them for a little bit. I won't do anything bad. I just, just want to deal and just, and just engage with the very sins in which you die for. Just 5%. That's all I want. But the rest of the time, it's all yours. The rest of the time of my life is all yours. Five percent of a day is what? Uh, an hour? And like, yeah, an hour. Just one hour, the whole day. Let me just do that. Play with the nails that crucified you. And you can hear all heaven saying, "Ew." <laughs> a principle so easy 
that five-year-old gets it. And yet somehow, the very people whom God saved struggle to get it. See, before God can work through you, he has to be with you. He has to be with you in your rest, but he also has to be with you in truth. Whose truth are you listening to? Whose truth is dictating your life? Whose truth is guiding the very way in which you conduct your life each day? Because we're all following something. Because we all worship something. Right? We all worship something. There's no such... Maybe we, we, the things you worship maybe don't have a, uh, a building or pews. But we all worship something. Worshiping is just what you give your heart to. You give your worth, your identity, your value to. Whose truth are you listening to? Is it money? Is it power? Is it sex? Relationship? What is driving you? Who is driving you? Because before the Lord can work through you, he has to be with you in truth. In your rest, when you're with the Lord, are you seeking to open your word and let him speak to you? I mean, we should always have our Bibles around, guys. This is a sword. This is God's truth. There, there are, I, I, I once heard some guy in China, he went, he went to missionary in China, and they asked him to preach. And, and, and there's this huge crowd. They just gathered, like, to the brim to the door. They asked him to preach. And he says, how long, 30 minutes? I said, oh, no, like six hours. I said, and then what? And then take a rest. And then do it again for six hours. And he's like, what? Would they actually listen for six hours? He said, yes, they would. All right? And so he goes and he preaches for six hours. And then he get, takes a little rest, has lunch, and he preaches another six hours. And then after night's over, they ask, can you come back tomorrow and do it again? And he's thinking to himself, like, why? This is insane. All right? And he realizes because a lot of them don't have a Bible. They don't have a Bible. So they come to listen to a pastor preach the word of God to them, to hear the truth given to them because they don't have a Bible to hold on to. That's how desperate they are. And then there's an amazing video where uh, I think a, a group or a missionary group shipped over Bibles and they were, they were running towards this briefcase like, like, like a Kids running towards a pinata after you break it, right? It was just mobbing it. And when I first watched it, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, what are they, what are they grabbing? And as they ran in there, just a huge mob of heads, and they come out, and you know, they, they grabbed their Bibles. They were kissing it. They were stroking it like it was the most precious thing in the world to them because it was God's truth. See, before God can work through you, he has to be with you in truth. Whose truth are you listening to, church? So here we are. This is, the, this, is, this is it. So the crowd's gathered. The disciples have encountered and been with their Lord Jesus. The word has been preached. The truth has been delivered. So everyone is waiting with bated anticipation. What is he going to do next? Jesus already knew what was going to happen. And he was preparing this very scene for this moment right here. And this is the moment in which he does something unbelievable that all four gospel writers had to write it down. 
This is how big this miracle was. They had to write it down. Verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples, verse 35, came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Right? Very practical. There's a lot of people here, Lord, 25,000. It's remote. There's no, like, there's no vendors. There's no people going around selling stuff. There's no, you know, um, uh, food trucks. Right? It's just, it's empty. It's late. They're hungry. Send them away so they can go get some food. Very practical thing to ask for. But he answered them. Right? And this is Jesus being cheeky here. He answered them, you give them something to eat. Can you imagine? Jesus is like, he's, he's, he's just playing with them now. He's like, hey, Lord, we got we to gotta take care of this. He's like, yeah, take care of it. And they're like, what? What are, we, what are you talking about? Take care of what? He's like, you give them something to eat. All right? And they said to him, they answered very sarcastically. They said, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? So they're being sarcastic, like, come on. Right? We got no money. <laughs> what are you talking about? You feed them. Crazy Jesus. And then Jesus, knowing that, he says, okay. So he gets a little bit more serious. The, the verb tense gets a little bit more uh, commanding here. Verse 38, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. Go and see. But this time, they didn't answer with our sarcasm. Like, go and see what? We have, they actually went. So, all right, let's, let's go and figure out how much actual bread we have. So they went, looked around. What they found, uh, one of the other writers said that a kid showed up and said, like, I have five loaves and two fish, right? So apparently out of 25,000, only one mom was smart enough to give this kid food because she knew it was going to be a long day or something, right? <laughs> Everyone else apparently just weren't thinking when they ran eight miles to, to this place. So this kid, I got, we got five loaves and two fish that we took from this kid, right? <laughs> and so they were like, you know, so, but the thing is, they actually did it. They actually went and they... As preposterous as that sound, they went and they did it, okay? And then Jesus, we're here. The word here is the word command. Then Jesus commanded them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Here it is, right? He commanded them now. Now, if his voice wasn't the rhythm in their life, if his truth wasn't the very thing that resounded in their soul, they would have done what? Questioned it? Like, what are we doing? Sit down, why? We're supposed to let them go. They would have made all these excuses, but he commanded them, and they did what? They obeyed. They obeyed. So they got everyone to sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. It's like, it's like 300 groups of hundreds and fifties, right? Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. He commanded them. They got up and they obeyed. Before God can work through you, he has to be with you, right? He has to be with you because the only power that you have is not your intellect, not your Will, not your own strength. The power that can actually change the life of people comes only from God. And you cannot obey God if you have not spent time to listen to God. And you will not obey God if you have not spent time to be with God. 
You guys get me? It's so much harder for us to obey when God gives us a command because we have spent so much time not listening. But for those who have practiced listening to his truth, practiced being with him in their rest, when God's word begins to speak, when his command begins to move, when he begins to stir in your heart and says, I need you to trust me and go do this. It sounds preposterous. It sounds like it doesn't even make sense. But God said, I need you to trust me. I'm commanding you, go and do it. Go. I have a plan. I have a destiny. I have a future for you. Before I can work through you, I have to be with you. Be with you in power. And they obeyed. This is how you know, guys. Obedience is not how you gain faith with God. Okay? Obedience is the fruit of your faith. When you say, I trust Jesus, he is my savior, there is no other one but him. When you have that repentive of hardness of your sins, Christ comes, he's with you, and the fruit of that relationship is obedience. You see, if there is lack of obedience in your life, it could be, one, you're going through a bad season, you're not listening, you're not being with them, or two, you don't even know him. Because obedience is the fruit of presence. It is the fruit that the gospel is alive in you. And do you know why? Here's the thing. And th Again, this miracle was humongous. It was, it was out of... It was mind-blowing, this miracle, that all gospel writers had to write it down because they experienced something that no one else has ever experienced, it, as great as the resurrection, right, that they had to write this stuff down. It was just that is how big this miracle was. And you know why it was 12 baskets? You know why it was 12 baskets? To be precise. God was, Jesus was trying to be precise here, just in case... You think that I'm just some sort of weird charlatan? I am the God of Israel. I am the God that your forefathers waited in anticipation for. I am the God whom Jacob, Abraham, Moses looked forward to seeing. I am the God who has now come for you. I am him whom you have waited for. If you have any question of whether of my existence, this miracle, this precision in this miracle is to show you I am the living God. Now, the question is, do you think they got that? Do you think they, they understood that? They did not. They did not understand it. You know why? Because after, after the feeding, Jesus got up with his disciples, and they went, went back to Capernaum. And then when they got there, guess what? Those guys ran the eight miles back, right, to meet them in the morning. Why? Breakfast, right? I mean, the guy gave us lunch. Let's get some breakfast too now. They in, in the Gospel of John, John said they wanted to make him king after this miracle. Come here, imagine it. Somebody who can feed you? Somebody who can heal you? In the other, in the other Gospels, um, this, this scene, I think in Matthew, they, he said that he was healing people, right? This is the best welfare state in the world, this guy, you know? Someone makes you food, talk about entitlement, right? 
I get free food. Secondly, someone can heal all your disease. Best health care system that you got, right? Free you from your demons, right? Mental illness, gone, right? Raise your dead back to life. Oh, my goodness, this guy has it all. I want this guy. They wanted to make him king. What they wanted, though, they wanted the healing, not the healer. They wanted the giving, not the giver. They wanted the saving, not the savior. Jesus said, I did all of this so that you would know who I am and why I'm here. And so they showed up wanting more from him. And he's saying, you don't get it. I'm not just here for your physical needs. I'm not just here for your physical entitlement. I'm not just here to make your physical life better. I am here to save your soul. So in John 6, what he begins to happen is he begins to share with them, this crowd now. He says, what's going to happen? You guys want to know what's going to happen? I'm going to have my body broken. I'm going to lose. And if you do not partake of my flesh and my blood with me, you will have no place with me. And he was telling this, this whole crowd this. And they're like, what? We thought you were going to win. We're following you because we thought you were going to be king. Why are you telling us that you're going to lose? Because if I do not lose, you will not live. And they could not get it. And that, the Bible says, John 6, and that day they begin to walk away from Jesus. Then he looked to his 12 disciples, those who were with him in their rest, those who were with him in hearing the truth, those who were with him experiencing his power. He looked at them and he said, do you want to leave me too? And Peter stood up and he says, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? You have it all. You have the words of eternal life. There is nowhere else for us to go. So a crowd of 25,000, do nothing back down. Just a few numbers. And this is why, this is, this is a fair warning. This is why Jesus, he says later to the people, woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Capernaum. For what have I have done in the cities of Tyre, Sidon, which are wicked cities, and in the city of Gomorrah, a wicked city, Solomon and Gomorrah, right? Woe to you, because if what I did for you was seen by them, they would have repented in sackcloth. But you did not. You saw the very hand of the living God working in your life, and all you did was, I'm just amazed. That was nice. Let's move on with my life. And we, church, we have something even greater than the feeding of the 5,000. We have the resurrection of, the, of Jesus Christ from the dead. Woe to you, church, who proclaims that you know me, know my resurrection, and yet never repented, whose life does not have the fruit of obedience. Woe unto you. Jesus Christ died. He resurrected. Do you realize that? Do you live as if that is the reality of your life? Do you live as if that is the rhythm of your heart? Do you live and understand that? You know why you have a hard time, though? You know why? Because before God can actually work through you, he has to be with you. 
It's hard for us to grasp that because we haven't been with him. We haven't been with him in our rest. We haven't been listening to his truth. And we definitely haven't been willing to step out in obedience to experience his power. Why does God make us do things that doesn't make sense? So that in the end, he gets the glory, but two, our faith grows. When we see the hand of God working through foolish, mortal people like us, that God would use such a man as me, that God would use such a woman as me. All of a sudden, the reality of your God becomes more real. The resurrection becomes more alive. Woe to you, O church, for what have, if the churches of old who have seen the resurrection, they changed the world. And you now who have my truth at your fingertips, you now who have rest for your soul through me, yet your life does not have a rhythm with me. I'm, a, I'm an afterthought for you. I'm a convenience for you. God will work through you. Before he works through you, he has to be with you. Is he with you, church? Is he with you in your rest? That's what rest is, is having God with you so that you can be used by him to do whatever it is he's called us to do. And there is greater things than this. There is greater things than this that God has called us people for. Would we wake up and see it? Let's pray.